Hello, and welcome to Disney's Follies. My name is Justine. I am one of the co-hosts of this show. Uh, Ryan is fixing himself a cocktail for the episode, which is a Negroni, because we are covering Pinocchio, and we want an Italian drink. Yes, we are those people in Epcot, when you try to trick us with Beverly, that we actually like it. Very strange and very rare. Second to last, this is Beverly. This is really what we came here to drink. So I'm going to go for it. We're all going to try it. Okay. It's supposed to be the worst soda in the world. Ah, here he is. All I did was the intro. So. That's good. So far, Pinocchio. Yes. In the parks, you can find it in Disneyland. There's a kind of strange reference to it with the Storybook Canal where you kind of exit into the There's a model of Monstro's mouth, mouth right. And right. Um, I did not get to ride that ride when I was there. Did I'm you? sorry. I, we did do the Storybook Canal. It was actually quite beautiful because it was nighttime, and so oh. all of the little models were illuminated, and it was really quite beautiful. But it is very tacitly connected to Pinocchio. Right, it's right. It's, it's literally the, the only connection to Pinocchio is that you're going that through, entrance, through the whale's, the whale's mouth. mouth. Um, there is cool. also the ride of Pinocchio's, um, it's, well, it's Pinocchio's journey something adventure. It's a little dark ride. You're talking about the one at Disneyland, right? And a couple of other, yes. It's interesting how scarcely present Pinocchio's he is. Pinocchio's Daring Adventure, which right. is in Tokyo Disneyland, and actually oh. opened in Tokyo Disneyland first. I've not been there. Then, only one month later, opened in Disneyland, and then is in Disneyland Paris. Oh, okay. So, yes. So, it, it's in Tokyo first, California, and then It's one of those Paris. little rides that takes you very slowly through the various interchangeable scenes. There's a lot of ultraviolet light, mm-hmm. and it deals primarily with his being sold into, um, you know, functional circus Slavery with Stromboli, basically, so yes, very, uh, very unsettling. It's an interesting thing because the ride itself, it's, it's you know, kind of meh. Um, I mean, it's, it's a nice place to kind of crash at night, you know, go it with did, your it did sweetheart feature, and whatnot, It was the first but... Disney attraction to feature holographic material. Oh. And it also used the Pepper's Ghost illusion, which is used, obviously, in a lot of the Haunted Mansion. I can't recall the way that that's used. Uh, it's during the, um, when the boys turn into donkeys. So I that think they of kind the of, like, oh. take the Pinocchio figures. And, and so it's like when And I only wrote it images. once, but I think it's changing into him okay. as a donkey. Okay. Monica Jackass, Well, you know, it was an interesting thing, because uh, we just watched this film, and, um... First time in a while, and I was yeah, reminded, same. you know, the, the, like I said, the ride wasn't, you know, it was it was all right, but the the Stromboli scenes in the movie, gosh, especially if you watch them as a little kid, they're mm-hmm. very intense. Mm-hmm. You will make lots of money for me, and when you are growing too old, you will make good firewood. Um, sort of a theme here is that Pinocchio is a movie that takes, you know, it, it ups the thematic intensity oh my significantly gosh. from murderous stepmother sending out somebody <laughs> to cut out your heart. To um, everyone is awful and yes. don't trust anyone. It's, and Snow White was kind of like trusting of everyone where Pinocchio is now, everyone is awful. This is a big blinding morality tale. What this drove home watching this film, you know, it reminds you, um, you know, the, the princess archetype is big in Disney cinema. Mm-hmm. You know, you have the central character and Snow White, you know, doesn't exactly seem dissimilar to future, you know, princesses in in future stories, even though they gain some autonomy and personality. But there was quite a bit of time between the first princess film and the second, between Snow White and Cinderella, a whole dozen years. Oh my gosh. Um, So what Pinocchio functions as, you know, as his his second feature, Mm -hmm. the thematics that it continues are 
the the morality tale of it. We talked yes. a lot last time about Snow White's uh, like her Virtue. effusive, yeah, her positivity, her purity. Mm-hmm. This idea that if you're a, an unimpeachably good soul, good things will happen, no matter who tries to to murder you. And um, <laughs> Pinocchio kind of takes that to an almost crazed tilt. I love the movie because it's it's eccentric, it's it's unusual. Yes. Yes. There are dreamlike and surrealistic qualities to yes. it, but it is all about you know go go to school, don't become an actor, don't smoke cigars, don't abuse candy consumption, don't lie even the slightest um and you wonder i mean it's just how much it's symptomatic of what walt disney's worldview was i kind of looked at the synopsis of the original adventures of pinocchio and you Mm. had mentioned that you read it years ago i did i picked it up i actually did a little project when i was in my late adolescence where i wanted to read all the source material for all the disney uh movies and i got as far as bambi and i do have to i wasn't there's no source for dumbo but i do have to say that you read uh the real pinocchio novel and the real bambi novel that's some dark stuff yes and so and pinocchio kind of from the get-go in the adventures of pinocchio is kind of a spoiled brat yes like the immediate once he's made by geppetto he immediately kicks him in the leg which is interesting in the movie because they kind of show that where he geppetto makes him kick figaro right away and i thought that was a nice little subtle (laughs) nod however um walt did and whoever and all the creators did as much as they could to try to take away all the bad things of pinocchio and make him as sympathetic as they could right still being true ish to the source material the the movie it's an interesting one because the movie is still it's it's weird and it gets dark and it's very sly yes but the novel has none of its charm none of its warmth and i Um, agree the character i mean even the ending was supposed to be well tell me what you told me about his editor how the original novel was right so um the the author and i will put his name in right where i said it uh carlo collodi thank you collodi um i think it's how you say it he he was kind of writing this as a uh, as an editorial and sending it to a newspaper friend of his Mm. one week at a time as a serial serial. yeah yeah. and he wanted it to end where pinocchio was um you said he, he was supposed to commit suicide yeah or he was supposed like to that? hang himself because of all the atrocities that oh I mean Geppetto had died because of him he kills Jiminy Cricket within the first 10 seconds of meeting him and the editor was like yeah, no. Can you make it happy? <laughs> oh gosh, there's a sincerity shot through Snow White that I, we were talking about. Yeah, I talked to you about where it's it's all very sweet. Pinocchio is not like that. It plays around the whole time. It and, has fun, and I think they learned a lot of tricks mm. while they were studying for Snow White. They had, were flush with cash for the most part. Mm. I mean, they still owed the bank a lot of money, but they were bringing yeah. in a whole bunch because Snow White was so successful. And they had those four years where they were either working long shifts mm-hmm. and they were working and doing those animation classes yeah. that we had talked about. And they had learned so many tricks where it was almost embarrassing on how the earlier things that they had made for Snow White mm. were. And so they decided. Yeah. Pinocchio is going to be like everything that we learned for Snow White and we're going to make it the best we can. And it's, I'm going to divulge, we watch both these movies today. These podcasts will come out the different days, but we watch both these today. And so watching Snow White and it's kind of blurry quality. They're, they're, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like more impressionistic, the backgrounds. Um, And then Um, just three years later having Pinocchio be released. There's richer detail. There's more experimental. The color palettes, the the very different. There's so much 
Christmas. The cell animation where it's the stuff oh, on top yes. of the background. And, and oh, oh gosh, honestly, if you watch Pinocchio, the camera work. In multiple camera in Pinocchio, they decided to do it horizontal. And so they could kind oh. of pull the slides and so that you could kind of have it go back and forth. And I think that's how they did the beginning when Jiminy Cricket was There's jumping, a jumping yes. in the beginning, which and I thought was so normal. And I think they kind of move the camera mm-hmm. up and down through those slides and that's how they so achieve that So from a technical effect. perspective, yeah, this it's, movie it, draws attention to a lot of what The fact that it's just three it, years uh, and yeah. what they did was uh, amazing. Now, one of the key moments in Pinocchio, there's the sequence in Geppetto's workshop. Cuckoo clocks that mm-hmm. are different designs and so cute. Um, and they're animated, even though some of them are, are vaguely physically improbable, they're animated in such a way where they feel like they could be real clocks. Now, as you had said... So in the documentary that I watched, um, they had made a model for a lot of those clocks. And so that the animators... Them to yes, be they actually to... constructed them. And, and this was a film where they actually brought on this animator who whose job it was then was to make models. There was also a guy in the character model department named Bob Jones, who had been a professional puppeteer and who actually had come to the Disney studio hoping to convince Walt to make three-dimensional films, in effect, puppet films. Appropriately enough, he wound up working on Pinocchio. And he helped a good deal in forming these models that the animators used. The one that they showed when they were talking about that in the documentary was the one with the mom spanking the boy. Mm. But I just thought that was so interesting that so much extra behind-the-scenes work goes... Yes. And, like, the fact, like, crafting a cuckoo clock is kind of a In order just art. to draw a scene In order it. just to draw it and... And it's true. Really, you're right. The crafting of cuckoo clocks, I mean, they probably had their heyday in the... In the it, like, it peaked in the 19th right. century or even earlier... The the main sequence that really impressed me animation-wise is the Monstro sequence, because all of a sudden it's like between both the whale and the sea, oh my God. you they, switch to oils, like almost. So I made a note mm. of that in Snow White and in here. They draw water effects yeah. so well. They it's do. insane. They do. The work you see into going in the flowing waters, like Geppetto is getting washed up onto shore. Yes. And that Whatever is... Whatever they could make realistic, mm-hmm. they did, and they did it a thousand percent. But that's what's cool, I have to say, but the whole Monstro sequence is it's like, not only is the whale animated similarly to the water where it's these very evident like oily brush strokes and the Mm -hmm. whale is moving in this very fluid way the scenes from inside his mouth where you have the teeth and all the different colors of fish I mean it's almost like yellow submarine and where it's like it's surreal (laughs) in that way where it's I mean it's not quite as explicitly um, you know acid influence but it's it's cartoonish in a way that you don't associate with Disney Mm -hmm. you know it's not it's not like that kind of you know suede realistic and it's not like cute let's talk more about some of the behind the scenes stuff you learned from the documentaries that i missed well well i was out buying the ingredients for a cocktail that we'll get to but (laughs) full disclosure go ahead justine um so they did something called rotoscoping so they shot the live action film and then traced over that for ideas and so they had this actor and i missed his name during the documentary but he was kind of filming a lot of the scenes for jiminy cricket and so, like, when he, especially when he's, like, walking over and then warming himself when we first meet him by the coals by the fire. So, Great they're image. tracing over it for ideas. They're not copying all of his movements exactly, but they're using what he does as, like, ideas of what these characters would do. Mm-hmm. And so, they did that a whole lot. Um, Geppetto, the voice of Geppetto, was actually the model of it as well. They mm-hmm. wanted him, in the first concepts, he looked a lot like Doc from mm-hmm. Snow White. And you can kind of see that a little bit with the eyes and the, the kind of big, round Bulb yes, there's a continuity. The, the bulb nose. The is bulb the big nose thing, for sure, and like the big the eyes, kind of fake human look, yeah, and the rounder cheeks, but the narrower chin, and mm-hmm. so they're kind of similar. But he actually looks a lot like the voice actor who made them, so that's kind of mm. interesting as well. Because I know that, for example, in Tangled, the guy who plays Flynn looks a lot like his character oh. on screen because they kind of model 
Because, I mean, at least in the one posters, I think that's kind of the joke with Flynn. But what is like, interesting, yeah. Well, so that they model the voice actors after the, um, I'm sorry, that they model the characters after the voice actors. But you know, that we were talking a bit about how Snow White, there's a disparity between the humans and your dwarves and your yes. animals. Where there's mm-hmm. a kind of a, 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 like, a not an attempt at a realistic depiction versus an attempt at a realistic yes. depiction. Pinocchio is interesting because the only character that actually looks and behaves like, you know, real life is the blue fairy. I can walk! Yes, Pinocchio. I've given you life. Why? Because tonight, Geppetto wished for a real boy. Am I a real boy? No, Pinocchio. To make Geppetto's wish come true will be entirely up to you. Evelyn Venable. She was in a bunch of Three Stooges movies as well. Ah, the two actors that I recognize from this movie mm. are Walter Catlett, who is a character actor from many movies. He's in Yankee Doodle Dandy and stuff yes, like that. He is one of my favorites in Bringing Up Baby. Jiminy Cricket oh, yes. is played by Cliff Edwards. Now, Cliff yes. Edwards was ukulele Ike at the beginning of his career. Now, he was a ukulele player, which you have to imagine, back when you're recording in the 20s, there are folk musics, but folk music that's a solo instrument and a kind of not professional technique is isn't even recorded until the late 20s, and it's not very popular. Now, Ukulele Ike was recorded in the mid to early 20s, playing his ukulele and doing scat singing. And as you can, you know, Jiminy Cricket does this many times. He has this great falsetto voice. Like a boat out of the blue Fate steps in and sees you through He's got a very fluid tonal range where he mm-hmm. can make these kind of ah, ah, kind of sounds up there. But it's, um, it's also like mm. it's so beautiful though. Oh yes, know. he has a. Be- I mean, when he's singing, when he's rapping his his I, voice fully around, when you wish upon a star. That's mm. in the beginning of almost every fireworks show. Is when oh, you yes. wish upon a star. We have to credit that that, that song. That is the official that. song of Disney, and that they've never re-record. Like they've tr- they tried to re-record it, but no one does it as well as Cliff Edward. Disney is um Disney Disney's music. I mean, there's silly symphonies and merry melodies. And we even forgot to mention that 25 songs were written for Snow White. Oh my and they gosh. They only used eight. But one of them, of course, is "Someday My Prince Will Come," the famous one. And "Someday My Prince," I mean, it's it's a standard that is important enough to have been recorded by Miles Davis in 1960. I mean, really? it is a beautiful. Yes, yes, I it's one of yeah, it, was, it was lovely. John Colt is one of the last recordings with John Coltrane. of songwriting is still happening concurrently with the beginning of the Disney films. You've got yes. Paul Porter and Irving Berlin and all this being alive around this time yeah, and this writing one, these beautiful... Still a little bit of jazz. Well, that's right. It's, well. that, it's that beautiful mixture of jazz and classical stylings like coming from the Gershwin brothers and all that. And oh. so when you wish upon a star, I mean, one of the reasons it's probably so enduring is it is a beautiful singular melody. Lie, it it literally makes me cry every time. It's and beautiful. I try to hide my tears because my sister's Oh no, don't hide them. Don't hide but them. But every time, like, I wish I, I, I miss that with the happily ever after because it starts off with Jiminy Cricket saying that and the fireworks show that Magic Kingdom had and I ah. just that song how can you not like it just right. is so it's so hard in the standard Disney intro that's the, the music it's a yes. snatch of that music right for every Disney and intro it's so it goes beautiful over the and it's so and the blue and the white yes yeah. And it's so wonderful to think that, or it's so easy to remember Jiminy Cricket as such a wonderful character. Yes. However, is. Yes. rewatching, he's kind of a, sh- a shoddy conscience. Because, <laughs> like, yeah, he, he wakes up late job. the first day. He's like, oh, you want to be an actor? Okay, right. I'll leave you alone. Like, 
What's an interesting thing? I'm going to shift up ukulele. Ike, I just want to real so quick sorry. plug. Yeah, no, no, his yeah. early his early recordings. I would listen to them because he really. Um, this is a peripheral thing. So I, I'm a. I, I'm a sort of an amateur scholar of recorded music history. Like, mm-hmm. I love popular music. I love music. I would definitely, if you've not heard Ukulele Ike's early recordings, he's got which, a couple which songs. Which I haven't, actually. Like, Fascinating Rhythm and Lady Be Good, 1924. <laughs> Now, okay, when you're listening to early music and it's in the, you know, the music before multi-track recording, before, di- before microphones, mm-hmm. magnetic tape, when it was still in the Victrola or whatever the hell it is, in the, in the gramophone speaker, mm-hmm. we basically have to record it in a single, a single sonic receptor. Oh, wow. um, the interesting thing when you're listening to music as it evolves from the 1890s when it was first re- recorded, because that was as early as it could be, through the 1920s, what you hear is the backbeat getting louder and a swing from ragtime and whatnot oh, gradually okay. entering. Yeah. Now, sw- when you hear the first blues recordings, the first jazz recordings, they're very stiff. There's not a lot of swing to them. That kind of comes... I mean, by the time of Duke Ellington recording, it, it ain't got any... Don't mean to think if it ain't got that swing. It's 1932. So there's a lot of development there. Yeah. But the very the earliest recordings I've ever heard that have a swing, like a real kind of loose beat, are Cliff Edwards' <gasps> recordings on his ukulele. Because it's no just way. him on his ukulele doing the thing. And there's a real fascinating rhythm, and it's very hoppy. But there's the earliest evidence I've heard of that beat. Oh, wow. So I would seek that out. Now, obviously, he's got a great career by 1940 when he's hired to do. And I don't know much about his film work. But obviously, Jimmy, Jiminy Cricket became a real iconic character. Yeah. And you, 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 you get it right. He's not a great conscience. He's scrappy. He, is he scrappy. makes mistakes. But there's something about him that reminds you almost, if I may, you know, yes. date us, but like Tom Hanks, you know, we're young yes. people, but there's something that's so nice about him in a way that's not like scrubby nice or no. like stupid And especially nice. with then with, Bullshit with, nice. um, with vaudeville type actors back yeah. then. Like, yeah. You have to be a special kind of ingratiating. So he has a, um, oh, and I might mess his name up. This mm. is a travesty because I'm such a Wizard of Oz fan, but he has a Buddy Epson quality. Too. Yes. Yes, where yes. he's so yes, where a lot of vaudeville kind of acts are kind of the body. doomed Buddy Epson. But if you remember, he was um, cut out of Wizard of Oz because the silver paint gave him a disease. Oh, then I meant oh shoot. Then oh, I the fellow that I did. Meant, I meant the scarecrow. Well, I know Ray Bolger is the scarecrow. Shoot, I am so sorry. Jack something is the is the Wizard of Oz I, again. Where yeah, I meant I meant but Ray the fellow that yeah Ray Bolger, great where, like, dancer because he's so clean. He's he's clean shaven as well. Mm-hmm, Edward was whenever mm-hmm. they showed, but like he just kind of has like a family vaudeville act where sometimes yeah. that's not always the case when you are researching vaudeville acts. We're talking about like these characters that come on in a sweet way and like at the same time have this like loose and kind of like scruffy quality to yes. them where they're yeah. like a little bit more hangdog and it makes them I mean the first time he meets the blue fairy he's like oh hey can I get a brand new tuxedo and outfit like right. he's a little bit in it for himself right. too and she's just like which makes him slightly more charming and yeah she's yeah. great because she only oh, you know, so she doesn't ethereal. set funny fools but she kind of she kind of plays them the whole time. And you know, I think, I mean, her hair is very similar to Snow White. It was a little bit longer. It was a little It had longer. the same kind of, like, 
it went and then there was a bob curl at the bottom. Mm-hmm. And then I meant I forgot to mention this in the Snow White one, but I think her, the way that her makeup was applied, the blue fairy, in Snow White they actually put actual makeup on her to make yes. her look so lifelike. Yes. And I feel like because she was so see-through, mm-hmm. for yes. the lack of a right. better they, word, they do make her the blue fairy in the movie. Transparent, yeah. thank you. Her eyeshadow looked very similar where it looked like real eyeshadow um, mm, that they mm. just kind of put on the cells. But it just looks very similar. But they're similar. trying all these different oh, things. And it's so wonderful to see that so quickly and... that the fact that they're so ready to improve. And the styles don't feel diffuse watching the movie. It's no. all of this piece, which I mean, even even watching it today, you can't help but be impressed by what they put together with mm-hmm. both of these movies. You can kind of see mm-hmm. the amount of effort and the beauty of it. And certainly, like we talked about color schemes. Oh my God. These painterly There's backgrounds. so much more color in Pinocchio than there yes. is in some way. He departs it's from insane. his lush greens and his primary how, color however, wardrobes. Geppetto's Gep- workshop looks very, and house looks very, very... It has a similar cozy woodshoppy feel. That kind of old, like European. vaguely, like and but like almost like Germanic. Really, we're talking about like like Swiss. Well, these, okay. These so feels. the guy who did all the background cells and did all the background kind of stationary animation Pope was Pinocchio. Switch. Was Swiss. Swiss? Yes, of course. No. <laughs> Was Swiss. Let's make a real quick transition here. It's an informal show. Mm-hmm. We've just started this out. You realize we we um, you know we're doing this as a labor yeah. of love. And yeah. our hi, Colin and Aaron, who are yes, the only ones listening. Of course, our producers. And we have a uh, <laughs> the theme of Disney's folly, since you know folly is you know folly is as folly does, and is it's a charming up? thing. Is uh, we we uh, we are going to feature a cocktail associated with our films. And since we screwed up so much one. with the Snow White one, we decided to go hardcore. That's why yes, Ryan missed some of the this, documentary. Drinking away our self hate. We've Negronis. Um, but also, I have a little bit of Johnny Walker because Ward Kimball, who is the gag meister on Snow White, yes, he actually the fellow that yeah that soup come scene up with that a lot you of these had mentioned great... last episode yeah that got cut. When Walt called him into his office, he said, you know, that scene has to get cut. And Ward was a little bit, obviously, upset. I mean, they recorded the whole music track for it. So obviously it a lot of people into out. it, that sort of thing. Right, exactly. But then exactly, he turns around so. and says, but on the next picture, you're going to be the lead animator for Jiminy Cricket. And so Ward right. Kimball got to create Jiminy Cricket. However, him and Walt had a lot of creative differences. Ward drew him as a actual cricket. Oh. And Walt was like, mm, yeah, that's gross. Can you change it? <laughs> right, and right. And pretty much made, like, kept having him edit it. So he just pretty much looked like a little green man. These are the ways that the Disney style gets invented. But where you, go ahead. he models the outfit on the old label of Johnny Walker Black. Oh. And he borrowed, quote unquote, that outfit that he said in well, the... So there's a man on the old label of Johnny yeah, Walker Black? Yeah, he's wearing a top hat. He has, hmm. like, a tailcoat tuxedo. Yeah. And, you know, like Capri style pants and an umbrella. You see and so how Jimmy we're... Cricket is based off him. So I'm actually also drinking a little proverbial bit of... Proverbial masters of none here. You know, we have a thirst for knowledge. Right and this is why, why yes, we kind of do things like this. And so we're learning these things as we go along. Now, as you know, if I may just briefly interject, we do have various ways, you know, you can kind of uh, look at what we're doing. Uh, just a bit oh, of a web yes. presence we're starting. Um, we have a... It's, it's just DisneySfollies at gmail.com. DisneySfollies right? at gmail.com. We encourage, if you, if you uh, be, have become a listener... This. Thank you very much. You're you're among the first. You'll get your you'll get your pin in the mail and all that. Oh God, it's a special conscience pin doc. based on Pinocchio Stop. that we I... realized. Well, you know, the Disney pin market is a huge one. There's so many things you can turn into a pin. But people do. No, no, no. Of course, it's something that we can kind of partner with folks. But um, we were saying, why was the the Jiminy Cricket is awarded a conscience pin at the end of it? Spoiler alert! I keep forgetting to say that. And um, it's not been made into a pin, but it's a thing that we feel like could be marketed. And and if I'm wrong, I completely take that 100. percent But I've never noticed it when I've looked for pins, and I. 
It's something that should be made into one. I buy pins. Like, that's that's what I collect. Yeah. I buy a pin well, for every wonderful. resort that I stay in Disney World. And there's and so I many different stay, things in the Disney, like, And I try to buy at least one pin per pin. trip that I go mm-hmm. to. Uh, I don't want to go overboard. I don't do the pin trading because I don't want to give up my pins. But <laughs> I do at least start to buy two pins My My trip. wife or sister is a nice big board that she's putting all her various pins oh, on. Mine are so on great a lampshade kind of... that, that looks like your cork board. There you go. As far as, you know, you can write into us at disneysfellows at gmail.com. Any sure. holes in our knowledge, any tidbits about the movie that yeah, you want to share, just, to just go ahead. Not- criticism on our Oh, no, we need or... to hear it. No, it's okay. No. But, but what we'll share on air is if we hear something about the previous film or a film a couple episodes later that's very interesting that we've missed, or if we need to issue a correction about any of the uh, the historical assumptions we make or anything right. like that, um, you know, we're all learning together. And, and the thing about these movies is that some of them, of course, are very old, and some of them don't get revisited as often as they need to, even if they're still or part of the Disney should. mythology. Yeah. Which I love about Disney mythology is it's all-inclusive for everything that he's produced. Pinocchio sits side by side with Elsa from Frozen. You know, Robin Hood sits side by side with Alice in Wonderland. There's all these different eras and different subjects are all in one thing under the same Disney umbrella. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this we'll, we'll, we'll try to devote a lot of this to figuring out what that unifying quality is. But, you know, it, it's great to revisit and kind of learn about kind of what went into these movies. And the documentaries we watch aren't always going to have all the information, all the perspectives. Yeah, so if so... you know anything extra, and I try to watch and listen to other podcasts and mm-hmm. read other books, there's a huge Disney historian. He's not an official Disney historian, but I Who's this? read all of his books Who's and it? listen to his things. His name is Jim Corcus. Mm-hmm. Jim, mm-hmm. if Jim you want to be on our podcast and tell us about anything, I <laughs> By think episode 21. He he was a friend Robin of Merlin yes. in Disneyland. Oh. Okay. And mm-hmm. he is such an amazing Disney historian, and he's written so many books about Walt and about just different Disney trivia. So, um, Jim, I listen to you on Lou's podcast yeah. all the time. If yeah. you want to help a girl out. That'd be great. And of course, anybody that's listening, please support Jim and all his efforts. Oh, yes. I mean, all his books are on Amazon. Us. They're amazing. I have yes. all of them. They're fantastic. He he has such a wealth of knowledge for Disney stories. Yes. However, he needs to do audiobooks because the way he retells the stories are Hot amazing. tip there, Jim. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Free hot tip. One of the questions I often get asked is, uh, well, what the heck is a, a Disney historian? They gather material. Uh, they catalog material so that you know this book has something on Snow White or this uh, magazine has, has uh, information from the 1930s, whatever, and they preserve that material so that material can be used. But back to two drunk people fawning over uh, <laughs> Pinocchio. So we mentioned that we were drinking Negroni today. That is the sure. cocktail of the day. Uh, Campari is a, is a liqueur that if you haven't tasted it, uh, enjoy, a, it enjoy be- a shot and purse your lips with surprise. Yeah, right. it, it, it was invented in Italy, of course, uh, in 1860 and is one of it's those liquors. It's like... It's one of those that, like, a very specific group of people have to control what goes into it. Better like, people, I would Compare. say. Better people. They used to. It has a very vibrant. Well, sure, of course. It has a very vibrant, like, almost like cough syrup color to it. And it was originally mm-hmm. that red hue that you get from crushed up insects. This was in the news some years ago oh. because of uh, the Starbucks strawberries and cream frappuccinos used the same thing. Uh, and as of 2006, unfortunately, you can no longer use crushed up insects to make wow. this thing. But Campari. As 
so basically a Negroni, if you haven't heard of it, which I'm sure you have because you're all very classy, yeah. is a equal classy, parts, yeah. of course, of course, gin, uh, uh, vermouth, sweet vermouth, Your of course, favorite. which is, yeah, I drink straight, absolutely, it's just my favorite thing, I'm not sure why, mm-hmm. and uh, Campari, so if you'd like to make one at home and join us, then we oh, obviously we have a great time. we also tried to be fans and added a little bit of an orange rind to ours Yes, well. I tried very hard to peel it without getting the pith, but as not a non-certified Here's bartender. The thing, it doesn't, pith is not going to kill you. It's not, and I will say that when the, when the, the rind floats up toward the rim oh, of your drink... I squeezed mine so the essence of orange. That's fantastic. Anyway, we we will have a a bartending podcast Mm -hmm. soon. This Um, functions. This doubles as our bartending podcast. Right, exactly. A drink for every feature. Oh, so we didn't talk about the beginning of the book. So, the beginning of the movie, rather. Uh Um, So, it it kind of had the book element like Snow White did. However, a little bit different. Because Jiminy Cricket not only plays the conscience of Pinocchio, he also kind of plays the narrator. Yes, the fourth wall is broken for the very first time so far in our our features here. I love breaking the fourth wall. Mm Mm-hmm. So the book Pinocchio is kind of laid out, and he kind of turns the page and turns uh, turns the cover yes. and turns the page. So rather than a photographed like... volume that some unseen hand turns with all this the choir and the fairy tale thing, it's Jiminy Cricket being But not just that, but then he has basically. to like turn the candlestick so that the holder holds the. And page there are back some gags him, about adorable. that. Yeah, it's wonderful. But it's, if it's you wonderful. notice in the background, Alice in Wonderland and Peter Pan are both right. other books that are direct there. Direct foreshadowing. It took and thirteen and fourteen Disney years was, respectively. Yeah, because he was working and planning on making oh, those movies. Years on and that was over a decade about yes mm-hmm. and so it kind of foreshadows that disney was working like so like much like pixar does yes well it was interesting it does remind me of around the very same time although a little bit earlier orson wells at the beginning of his career you know he was a hot shot and he, he was basically given a lot of money and a lot of support orson for a lot wells of prod- to, projects to Walt. right these ambitions that are that are beyond the context of the medium beyond the capabilities of filmmaking at the time and he goes so crazy on certain ideas that he uses up all his money and worries all investors now obviously Walt Disney had Roy E. Disney and uh, because they were more of an independent partnership Walt as we all know ended up fairly financially secure <laughs> Orson Welles as, as many of you know that are film buffs uh, did not finish many of his projects gradually yeah. his support eroded and um but it's similar to that insofar as it's like, well, I'm working on this project and it ends up taking several years. It's very interesting to see the Peter Pan volume and the Alice in Wonderland volume because if I'm not mistaken, right. I think my years are, I think it's it's 51 for Alice in Wonderland or around there and like 53 for Peter Pan. Now just imagine, and that is a decade and, and change. And it's not that, I think it's 53 and 53. Five. Can you imagine being Walt Disney and saying, no. oh, I'm going to promise my, <laughs> well, no, in many ways, I'm going to promise my audience these volumes in a sly wink, and then they don't come out but until those kids are said, teenagers Alice in and don't care and about Peter Disney were also, and I'll have to check the dates, but so far, Snow White and Pinocchio were both fairy tales that were written in the 18... Yeah, the 19th the, century. The yeah. mid-1800s mm-hmm. to... Like, 1850 was Snow White-ish, mm-hmm. and 1880 was The Adventures of Pinocchio. Yes. I don't know offhand yet when Alice in Wonderland and Peter Pan were written. Alice in Wonderland I, in 1860 or so. Okay, so I similar. I don't know when J.M. Barry did the... I think it was a couple decades later. <sighs> we're going to talk about him um, in that episode. <laughs> That's going to be a controversial episode. Creepy but for, There's our foreshadowing that you'll have to wait 10 weeks or I mean, whatever to get no, to. It's but... no... Like, Johnny Depp played him, right? He played, yeah, J.M. Barry. Yeah. yeah, so surprise. Johnny Depp really. as of yet, I think, has yet to voice a Disney character. So we can leave him as out of these podcasts as we need to for I'm just saying, like, there's no surprise yeah, yeah. that in the live action, another creepazoid played That him. a complicated person played a complicated person that deserves uh, scorn and... Uh, and anyway, uh, but, um, so I don't know when 
they were written, I'm assuming turn of the century as well. Yeah, both and of so those are late 1800s. The, I, I know, one, it's interesting that they were kind of gravitating towards kind of those kind of area of fairy tales. And then... And all very Western it, Europe. It took so much time. And like, actually, Pinocchio wasn't supposed to be the second film. Bambi... Oh, good. Go ahead. Sorry, I'm done with it. No, no, it's okay. Bambi. Go ahead. Go this see. is also from Italy. Well, go, what were you saying about Bambi? Oh, uh, Bambi was supposed to be... Uh, Bambi was supposed to be shouting out the DC Serrano company. Bambi was supposed to be supposed to be next, but it was so tedious to film, and I don't know if that was because it was all animals or whatnot. I haven't looked into it yet, but Bambi was so tedious to film that uh, they kind of scrapped it and went not scrapped it, but paused it and went to Pinocchio. But they also paused Pinocchio during some of the production as well. We were pretty cocky coming off of Snow White. We thought we could just sit down and do another feature. Start working on sequences that were in the middle of the picture. Walt looked at it and he says, it's not working right. Because Walt didn't appreciate how Pinocchio was being portrayed. He thought he was too wooden and not lifelike This is enough. the one where he pauses like halfway through the production. Yes. And re- you were saying he, he redid a lot of the characters almost halfway through. And mm-hmm. it's very, very, you know, very barely alluded to in the documentary where Walt's talks about, oh, well, my brother wanted to make sure he was getting the money back and I, you know, having invested so, so much money to where we're struggling in mortgaging houses, wanted to make sure the movie was right. I mean, I think this is the case when you do a second project yes. after you do something Your that's gigantic. Mm-hmm. You you do get, it's like, um, here's a random one for you film buffs, Paul Mazursky doing Bob Carroll, Ted and Alice, and then wondering, well, what am I going to do? And he ends up making a second movie about a filmmaker struggling to figure out what he's going to do for his second movie. <laughs> I mean, Pinocchio, would you ever think in a million years you've got this hot kind of this fairy tale princess theme that if you really think about it, if Walt Disney had just done movies like that for his entire career, he would probably have even more billions than he does as a oh state God. anyway. But he goes off into this other direction because his main concern is the future of animation. He almost looks alive. Wouldn't it be nice if he was the real boy? Geppetto was such a dreamer, even though maybe the voice actor was kind of not the best person. Um, oh, yeah. Have we talked about? No. Well, let's. Yeah. A fella, he died Granted. in 1956, born in the late uh, 1800s. Go ahead. And he was a, uh, he was something. That... He was a Nazi sympathizer. Mm-hmm. And the anime, and granted, this was 1940. I don't know how much everyday Americans knew. Now, there are tales of actors in old Hollywood um, being Nazi sympathizers. Even, I think, and we honestly, we have to research this before we talk about it. Obviously, we've been very flattering to Walt, but there there have been rumors about a Nazi, well, sympath, you know, a sympathy slant. And I think that's an urban legend, but... I think you and I will agree on that because he was very... Well, I think we'll agree if we research. Uh, if I, well, I I have to research what exactly the, the whole yeah. story is there. But there is an actor, uh, the fellow that played Geppetto, his name is Christian Rubb. And he was a, during production... During the production. A, it, a vocal And Nazi so during the production, like the film was released in forty. Yeah. I don't know when he was doing his scenes with the Disney Animation Company. Well, let's talk about, real quick, 1940, you know, Great Dictator came out with Charlie Chaplin famously playing an Adolf Hitler fella. And at the same, on one hand, burlesquing a tyrant. On the other hand, Charlie Chaplin himself said if he knew the extent of Nazi atrocities, he would not have made the film because it was it was too too comic for something so heavy. Now, So yes. you realize that 
everybody was learning at the time the extent of the atrocities. And how awful everything was. But it does seem like people in America kind of had an idea that Nazis were bad. It was good for Americans. So Christian Rudd... But not Rudd, bad enough to get into the war right away. For the framework of our anecdote, um, I guess the, after the Americans working on Pinocchio were well aware enough that Nazis were bad yes. to ostracize... They were... Christian Rubb, the actor who played Geppetto. So trying to imagine the context, but Christian Rubb was a vocal Nazi sympathizer. Yes. And, and he alienated the crew, historically. Yes, right? because and he kept cats. talking about how wonderful Adolf was. And yeah. that even is a even hard thing to, to imagine that's nowadays. That's even weird to quote and say, and I feel, both of us feel very awkward To imagine a time when people could be vocal about how great Nazis were. Or not just know? Nazis, but Hitler. Right, well, the main one. So, so, okay, so you were saying, what did you learn about how the crew responded okay. to this Nazi? I need to go Nazi back to it. I, I apologize. Um, but you basically, tantalized me with this hint of the story before. <laughs> well, go ahead. You have an actor According that's... to the sequence director, Jack Hinney, despite casting Christian Rudd's role as the voice of Geppetto, he was actually revealed as a Nazi sympathizer who drove the animation crew crazy with his ramblings and the glories of yada yada. They eventually He who got, must not be named. Exactly. Voldemort. They eventually got even with him when they did the live action shooting for the scene with Geppetto fishing from inside Monster of the Whale. Here they had Rub on a makeshift stage where he pretended to fish, while the stage was jostled by some grips who quote unquote rocked the boat to give the desired effect and effectively mm. giving Rub a ride he never forgot. So they jostled him around a bit, which I appreciate. Hopefully he's sustained some significant bruising in the um, process. But, and that makes me sad because Geppetto is such a heartwarming, a lovely character. character. I'm about to do a quick segue there, but I just, I want to say that if you've seen the scene, what I was saying is that they should have thrown fish at him or something like that. <laughs> It'll be a little bit more uh, 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 disconcerting. Yeah. A, very, a very strange thing. Now, Geppetto, the character... This is the most one of the most interesting elements of Pinocchio, Geppetto yeah. the character, because he is so selfless. So well, he's so selfless, but he's so sweet, but he's so sad and mysterious. This is the great mystery of Pinocchio. Yeah. What is Geppetto's story? Why does he want a young son above all now? What were his relationships like? What was his life like? The Blue Fairy specifically says that Geppetto is good to people. And so I assume that's that because he yeah. makes toys and probably gives them to probably little, sells probably them. Gives them probably. probably gives them. Well, we'll show, I don't okay, think sure. sells. In Once Upon a Time, which if some of you watch, Geppetto is This is the show on... Uh, this is the show on ABC, and I only watched a couple of the seasons, I apologize. But in this show, he couldn't have children, which is kind of the first thing that, that Ryan and I thought of, that yeah. Geppetto either was, some was a of... widower or, di- or his wife died in childbirth yeah. or whatnot, but... The great regret of um, his life, yeah. But something where the fact that he wasn't able to have children, that's why his one wish was to have a son of A boy, own. yeah. Because it's, 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 it's clearly what he, you know. We were talking about how uh, we were talking about how, how Snow White will, not just the praying aspect, but uh, wishing upon a star and mm, mm-hmm. her heart being consumed by her main desire. And Geppetto. we were curious about that with Snow White. And right. Snow White was praying. The religiosity of it, of it is interesting, even though it's, you know, we know that that America gradually and, lost a certain wholesomeness. So but Geppetto still wasn't part of the culture praying of the so much time, as wishing but, upon a star. He just happened to be kneeling and his hands folded. Well, this this continuous it. theme of sort of pleading the higher forces higher to grant powers. you your your greater your greatest wish. And Geppetto's greatest wish and is to have a... And the fact that it was granted because he was so good. Right. 
But that I love that element of mystery in Pinocchio. It adds to the weirdness of it. Yeah, oh, um, it was so weird. But there is a, you know, whether or not it's religious, because again, Snow White prays in Snow White. Geppetto just sort of, you know, goes to a wishes. star and, and, he and he kneels down. But um, the morality aspect of Pinocchio is the most interesting thing. This yes. movie... Okay. And I know book, this offended Ryan, so he's going to oh. go off on this one for sure. Oh. The, uh, the effects of warning against being an actor. <laughs> Both just, you know, we, you know, it's not about us. It's about Disney. No, but both of us, both, both of, in a sense, but you can't yeah. help it be. But both of us, um, I actually met Justine <laughs> in a middle school theater class. Yes. I met her before I met my wife, her sister, who yeah. was in Younger. the technical side. Both Justine and I were on the stage. Yes. I, I've done a, a very sporadic uh, professional theater work. No, but you I do am, wonderful work. Well, I appreciate that, but I've been very sporadic work professionally, and I'm, of course, jealous of my friends that have, I have a friend or two that's been on Law & Order or has, or as a stage manager for the, the live uh, Christmas story and Sound of Music and stuff, and so we, we are glad we're not our less successful friends, but obviously we, we, we are, we are actors who feel spit out by that life, as if we came out of a whale. Um, yes. But we can appreciate it. Um, her, her mother was actually the theater teacher, and, and not just uh, that, my mother was actually a theater major Right. When she went to college. And she did Mime Troupe, she and she did all kinds troupe. of shows, and she is a great theater scholar She's and a film buff. Singer. Um, so we both come from a, a sort of a theatrical place. So we can appreciate, <laughs> when you talk about the actor's life, we feel implicated. What does an actor want with a conscience anyway? Yeah. And Pinocchio's interesting because got, the very... We got stabbed in the heart a little bit because it's so anti-actor's <laughs> yeah, life. The, 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 okay, so the, the original book is a strict morality tale. Pinocchio is, and you were right about this, he's essentially an asshole. He's a belligerent. I'm sorry. He's wayward, and he, he gets comeuppance. However, I mean, the author wanted them to commit he's suicide. He's also an eight-year-old boy. Yes, yeah, like, so you can, you know, you can kind of say it's bound to parenting and all that, but well, <laughs> it's still, there's the same theme in the movie. And if you watch Pinocchio, this might hit you, especially as an adult, it's about, okay, don't lie, don't be a bad guy, and you'll become a real human. Do you want to know a true story for a second? Oh, yeah, sure. So I went to a Hot Topic when we moved here, mm. and I bought a shirt that said Boys Lie, and it had Pinocchio on it, and his nose was a little bit bigger. Uh. My mother did not like the implication. Me at 13 did not know what she was talking about, yeah. and made me return it, and I was so pissed off, because I was like, but it's true, Mom. And she's like... That being the case, you can't wear that shirt. And I didn't know about like the boys lying and his, that, that's his an nose growing. Thing. Anyway. Let me try to let me try to unite all these stories. I had to here. return it. Really quick What a tragic what a tragic story. What a tragic <laughs> If any of you want to chip in to get that shirt no. and send it to just make everything full circle. Well, here's the thing. So it's still a stark morality tale. Pinocchio, you know, Geppetto's got his thing and the, the movie assures us Geppetto's moral and he wants Pinocchio to be real. And so he's real, but he's not all the way real because the whole premise of the movie is he has, has to, to prove his earn his worth as a human being by being good. Now, when we're talking about the actor thing, the, the very first thing he does that's like a sin, if we're going to go in like the Vatican sense of this, oh, is he mm-hmm. runs off to join a quote-unquote acting troupe. Right. Now, it's a little bit more corrupt than that, but it's not Pinocchio's fault. He just wants to be on stage. Um, As the plight of many of an actor when they're search- searching for work. Precisely. But there are interesting... Okay, is that a we to the about- casting couch for women? Oh, my gosh. We were talking about that with Disney. I just read the article about how... Okay, so obviously we are living right now through the hashtag MeToo moment. It all began with the exposure of one of the most powerful movie studio executives being a terrible 
just horrible yeah, monster we'll call of him a Stramboli. Predator. Yes, exactly. Or Monstro, one of the two. But just an, an absolute, uh, is the worst kind of person. Uh, and I just saw the thing where apparently, you know how California Adventure, Disney Park Detour, I'm yes. sure all of you will enjoy. California Adventure used to be Hollywood themed as opposed to all the sort of the pixels. Well, it was California themed. And so it had lots of different. It Areas dealt with the culture that was California. like movie kind of sense. So they had all of these, and they still do, all of these little, these trinkets that are sort of referent to old Hollywood. And they had a sign that was phallic shaped. No, they that didn't. That was the something, something, something casting couch agency. No, they didn't. And the name, yes, was an innuendo of some kind. Of, and of, of Mr. Harvey? They removed it quite, not of Harvey. Oh. Not of Harvey, because, okay... I just saw an article about how there's a 1937 movie some of you may be familiar with called Stage Door, mm, and you're mm-hmm, familiar with, mm-hmm. yeah, with Catherine Hepburn and some some of the Rogers or somebody of the Rogers, right? Exactly. But that is a movie that's explicitly about actresses trying to make it and having to make, you know, compromise yeah, exactly sexual compromises with the studio system to try to get their crap. thing. There was a reference to that, and of course the controversy is that it's winky, but it's a terrible. Terrible thing. I didn't know that. And I'm not a Disneyland person, so I'm going to say that to all your Disneyland people. Right, we're East Coasters. Uh, uh, that's not at MGM or Hollywood Studios. Exactly. Let me see if I can just pull this up I hope up it's not. Oh, God. Quick. I hope it's not. The Disneyland Cash and Couch again. Okay. Um, let's let's try to just keep everything kosher. I here. mean, yes. Jessica Rabbit was a thing and is a thing. And that's terrible. But also, she owns it and she doesn't let anyone Wait, mess with Jessica, because she was, you said, the mascot for... Pleasure Island, which is also a Pinocchio. Now, Pinocchio, reference. yes. Pleasure so Island. So now, the current Disney Springs, which is the downtown area of the Walt Disney World Resort, that Michael Eisner so wonderfully created because he didn't want Disney people to go off and spend his money at other bars. He wanted them to spend their money at Disney bars. And so this was the adult, quote-unquote, theme park. And Jessica Rabbit, with her little pinup girl... Leg kicking up in the sky sign was the unambiguously sexualized Jessica Rabbit was was the mascot of Pleasure Island, so actually named. However, Pleasure Island is a reference to the island that Pinocchio and his quote unquote jackass friends get sent to to get turned into donkeys. Yes, that being the same one. Hellslant Purgatory, and I forget his name. What is his name? Do you remember the fellow that takes him to Pleasure Island? No, 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 no. The other donkey boy that. Oh, Lampwick. Lampwick. So Lampwick actually looked like the animator that drew him. So what's fantastic, <laughs> and he drew it as himself. That's not flattering. Almost. Well, he drew it as mm, himself. Okay, so he so he kind of like faced himself as a mirror himself. and was like, "Oh, this is how I look when I'm doing this," and like <laughs> cocked up his eyebrow and whatnot. And so that scene where they're playing pool, you have the Lampwick animator doing his shtick and doing his amazing animation. You have. Whoever is doing Pinocchio's animation, doing his kind of copying Lampwick. And then you have Jiminy, which is by Ward Kimball, who's trying to stop both these boys. And it's just a tour de... these different animators and moral war with each other. Yes, it's a a tour de force of a scene. Yes, yes. in the documentary that we watched about the making of Pinocchio, it almost refers to this as a Hitchcock-like scene where Lampwick suddenly has his ears and then is scared. And then Pinocchio sees the beer and then turns turns it away. How do you ever expect to be a real boy? What's he think I look like? A jackass? You sure do. (laughs) Hey, you laugh like a donkey. (laughs) Did that come out of me? Oh. 
It's a beautifully staged scene. But it's a beautifully so scary unsettling, scene especially if you were a child. And that's one thing especially that really... Especially if you're like a child. Like, everything from Stromboli on... Can I say, real quick, yes, I'm going to show my sister-in-law a, a Disneyland sanctioned palace as I re- as I talk more about <gasps> the Philip A. Couch casting. Shut up! It's real. In real time. Ew! We're learning about these. Yes, it's terrible. You can see oh what they're... Oh, my God! Re- 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 okay. But you what, guys, it's awful. It's like an upside down palm tree. Many of you probably. <laughs> so the interesting oh, thing about no. Pinocchio getting wayward is you have all these. I, I actually wondered. Now the movie M came out significantly before. The movie M is it's Peter Laurie playing a child murderer and kidnapper. The uh, I do want to talk about this too. Well, as I'm saying, you know, Pinocchio gets led astray by a bunch of skeezy. Older men. My sister-in-law is raising her hand. Yes, okay, so saying. I listen to a murder co- podcast that I'm sure a lot of you listen to called Those My Favorite Murder because it's a because of the one. And no, but my, but this one is the best. However, there's such a freaking What's the name of the podcast. My favorite murder. My favorite murder with Karen Kilgariff and Norga Hardstar. So um, there's yes. so many missing boys. There's so many missing boys that a lot of times, like, that's why John Wayne Gacy got, uh, I'm sorry. This is the dark one right there, but Pinocchio because, is responsible because for Because he learned so many boys, and the police were like, eh, it's a boy running away, he's fine. Like, that's what Pinocchio, the guy, does. He just lures boys away, he doesn't, don't, don't want to go to school anymore, takes them to this island, and turns them into f***ing donkey sell some of them to the circus just like John Wayne Gacy yeah exactly well no John Wayne Gacy actually killed them but I don't know what's worse the well well, right because can you get reversed from a donkey you can watch Pinocchio and take it as a standard morality tale stay the straight and narrow go to school don't lie so that your nose becomes a giant phallus and basically just (laughs) just you know do the right thing which I think even you know you and I are are getting into that slightly older past younger age and we're realizing that the, the lessons you learn as a kid are basically true but there's an element of it where Pinocchio was manipulated by a lot of skeezy older men mm-hmm. that get increasingly skeezy you know I, I noted that because like Honest John is the first unsavory character that Pinocchio meets and then once he he sells Pinocchio to Stromboli then he's kind of at a bar with the English um, guy, and I don't remember his yeah, name. Yeah, he, he doesn't them, get a name, but he's Who the, takes them to Pleasure Island. Yeah, the second honest John is, is kind of scared of him as well once he mentions, mm-hmm. kind of hints at what happens to these boys. So the fact that even Honest John is scared, it's, when it, he's it such an unsavory easy. character, gets very, very terrifying. In 1940, you can't, and I mean, when it deals in subjects like yeah, this, I just, I just you can't have any, like, sexual undertones, but there is something that the corruption that's hinted at no, in Pinocchio and a bunch of missing can boys. be very disturbing. It it's can just, be very disturbing. It's just disheartening because, I mean, there's so many serial killers that kind of target that kind of boy that is so lost and that Pinocchio is so much of. And um, not that Walt would have known all of this, but... I mean, it got worse in the years since Walt. What I was wondering is how many... I hope that young people watched Pinocchio and got an idea that they should avoid strange men. I hope so. But but clearly not, because a bunch did not in San Francisco and a bunch did not in Chicago. They didn't didn't replay it in theaters enough. (sighs) I just thought it was interesting enough to notate that, though, a bunch of missing boys and, like, there was no... 
notices in the town. There was no paper. Yeah. Like, there was no hint of what it was well, to come. Yeah. And not just for that, but even for foreshadowing for good stories' sake. Mm-hmm. There's no wanted posters of, like, missing boys. But the <laughs> fact that there's so many, like, missing boys that go, like, no, they just ran away. They just didn't care for your bullshit anymore is is kind of problematic. And the fact that it maybe started because of Pinocchio is also maybe bad. I, I doubt Pinocchio was responsible for any child abduction Pinocchio epidemics. Pinocchio himself was not. The- but... <laughs> We're reaching that point where we need to sort of. I think we've covered a great deal, and I hope you all feel enlightened. And if we've missed anything, please no, no, write to us. Think, but oh, oh, so please, sorry. yes, okay. Um, all the underwater scenes that they did with Maestro. Those wonderful underwater scenes. So the creators of the Little Mermaid actually contacted them <gasps> to see how they could make their underwater scenes so realistic. Wow. Because theirs were so much, and I thought that was so interesting. Let's admit you have the undulating visual. Apparently, Little Mermaid was the first movie I ever saw. 89 and, and the first uh, movie my mom saw yeah. was apparently a rare release time. of Snow White, which so I we wish we'd born. known uh, five hours ago, but hmm. whatever, mom, thanks. What's well, a um, lost memory, apparently. <laughs> but so you saw Little Mermaid, and go ahead. Apparently, go ahead, but like the, the creators of Little Mermaid asked the Pinocchio creators that were still alive how they did all those underwater scenes because they looked so realistic. I mean, I wonder too. Yeah, I mean, again, it's, like, it's, the, it's the, the undulating visuals with the waves of the water. Yeah. Pinocchio has this aquatic. It's like a filter on the voice yeah, actor's voice. And like I voice. said earlier in the podcast, they well do before water so Iron well. Man, yes, they do rain so well, they do water so well. The color palette switches to this beautiful turquoise and purple, <gasps> and and they even did it so well in Snow White. They just even perfected it so much more. Right, right. And also, Pinocchio's father slash creator is so forgiving. Yes, yes, so yes, forgiving. Hey, father! Father! Don't bother me now, Pinocchio. Pinocchio! Father! so welcomes him with open arms is very refreshing and I hope that I think people feel lost maybe turn to people in your life that were old carpenters with Italian accents no. without I mean, Nazi sympathy no, just, just turn to adults that maybe were helpful to you in the in the past but Pinocchio is a strange one Mm-hmm. You know, the morality is unambiguous and universal, but it's this parable about this marionette that goes away from this geriatric, possibly vaguely senile Italian father. Stop. Under what? No, I mean, no disparagement on Geppetto, but I mean, it's just, it's a strange he was, one. He was agile enough to still... make a marionette. All I'm saying, all I'm saying, Justine, <laughs> is that at a certain point, we are going to crave... Because we have many episodes to go through before we get to a normal Disney movie again after Bambi. We are going to crave the the strangeness of Pinocchio, but also the coherence and the good morals and all that. And the beautiful fairies. It's time for us, though, to rate rate it. To rate it and to say goodbye to Radio Land, uh, Podcast Land. Goodbye, the internet. Um, So Um, we're going to rate this one out of. Well, do you want to go first? No, what are we rating it out of? We're rating it out of Wooden Boys. Wooden boys. So we have a we have a little box here of ten. It was funny. It yeah. made me. It made me literally lol, which I rarely do. Same. And we have a box of of little wooden boys here, yep. five each that we can pick mm-hmm. and choose. So, Justine, darling sister in law, what? How many wooden boys do you give 
the feature film. Here's Pinocchio. I gave Snow White five, and that's and I admittedly, admittedly said it was because it was a nostalgic. It was rank mine. personal affiliation, so, not objective critical acumen. So I'm gonna say four out of five wooden boys for mm. this one, even though it was very strange. However, the jump from 1937 to 1940 is beautiful, and credit where due. It just. Mm. Even though, and then the only reason it's not five is because Pinocchio was so, like, you can't freaking learn your lesson. And I did not understand that. Like, Maybe and also like, Jimmy Cricket you? didn't understand it. Like, Do you feel like the characters didn't adequately... I feel like they didn't learn as much as they could have, and that Geppetto was too forgiving. Okay. Very, very nice. Okay. So, just the one, one extra wooden boy is because of lack of really are you kidding me <laughs> and and yes i realized that i gave five out of five for snow white which is completely no, insane defend your rankings. however Please do this is beautiful this is a beautiful movie and i wish we had seen them back to back and then recorded because i probably would have been given snow white also a four in this oh, as well because you're retroactively well, taking the no, no i'm not going to change it okay but i would have changed it because the animation is so much better in Pinocchio, but the story and the continuity and the um, beautiful optimism of Snow White was what pushed it to the one. And the brattiness of Pinocchio was what pushed it to a four. Which I hope you're not overly... The animation style, they're both the same. Wikipedia synopsis not, of not, the original Pinocchio. Animation style, they're not the same. You know, I want to mention, you ever see the 1996 Jonathan Taylor Thomas Pinocchio? I'm sorry for not being a real boy. But you real to me, my son. No, because it freaked me out. Based cover, a little bit more on the... the cover the, was like holographic. Where it's like, a horrifying movie. Oh my God. You've got and like, uh, Martin I Landau. Liked, I like JGG as much as the next girl. However... That movie scared me. He will soon play a significant part in Disney mythology. Oh, he will. I, I am... I, it's so funny. Anyway, so, I, so basically, animation style is way better in Pinocchio, but story-wise, it's a little bit less. It's so funny that you're saying this, because I actually... I am compelled... I thought that Pinocchio, being stranger, being more ambitious, being... Having it more was. depth of character. Mm-hmm. I love Pinocchio. It's one of no, my I very favorite Disney's. I, I had said it many times before we mm-hmm. even put it on and it was just reinforced. I give Pinocchio five out of five Yay! wooden boys. Um, one of the few fives I'll probably a lot in the course yeah, of this yeah. whole thing. But... I will always go up and he'll go. But no, this is the beautiful thing is that the little contrast between well? our, our particular... I gave it four. Oh, I gave yeah, it four so because switched. of the... Yeah, I thought it was a little bit emptier in terms of what it offered. And I think the Pinocchio... The, the fullness of it and the ambition. Now, one of the things that we'll notice as we go through I'm Disney trying features, to watch these with the mindset of the people who are seeing those movies for the first time. Well, sure. I, I as am I. That I, being I, said, as am I. Yeah, that being said, but, like, what I, what we I are subjective. to a four to five now? No. But, or Pinocchio four to five But now. as we go through Disney features, they will get more complex. The plots yeah. will get richer. The characterizations will get, will get better. Aladdin. I mean, spoiler alert, a lot of the films before, actually, I just found this out. Some of the future Disney feature films, the, the, the list that we are basing this oh, podcast yes. on is making a change. It is going to Pixar route and including some sequels <gasps> for the first time since Fantasia 2000. Oh, I think you meant we're including Pixar. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, I wish we were. I'm sorry. I just, I convinced her that we were changing our podcast in a way that would allow us to watch more good movies. 
That's the other podcast. No, there's a no, Frozen 2 the, coming the out. The canon, the last movie as of this recording is Moana. Yeah. But they're coming out with Wreck-It Ralph 2 and well, Frozen 2 and losing however, a certain individual the, integrity. The Wreck-It Ralph 2 looks like how the original Wreck-It Ralph should have been. Let's hope. Making fun of itself and Disney movies so much more than the Wreck-It Ralph was. Wreck-It Ralph was just kind of like a cute movie. Wreck-It Ralph 2 has all the other living Disney princesses reprising their roles oh, to make fun of themselves. So I think Wreck-It Ralph quality. 2 will actually be better than Wreck-It Ralph. Well, tune in June, tune in, June uh, 2019 yep. for that episode. In the meantime, five wooden boys to Pinocchio and four on the other end of it. Yes, a yes, reverse yes. of our last ratings. Um, Thank you so much for listening to this particular episode. Disney Follies. Yes, Disney's Follies. We're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook. We'll po- we'll try to post some stills of we'll information that we found. Interesting and interactive Instagram, for you. If you want to like comment and have a discussion about our yes. episodes, just uh, pay just attention. Disney and follies. Be if, if you and... want to email us, hopefully only good things. Please limit the bad things, or at least try to c- constructively email. Oh, us. absolutely. We'll take um, everything with with you know as it is. We'll use the... it. Uh, constructively go ahead we did record two today and it was a long day and a long so thank holiday. you for spending boxing day with us even yes. if you're listening to it in march and april okay. respectively um we promised to probably only do one episode a day that we record from now on yeah obviously just to keep it just so we have the integrity of the movie preserved but yes. um until next time uh may, may all the wishes that you pray at night uh, yes. on your bed to whatever god or star you choose to come true and uh, tune in next time for fantasia in the oh, meantime I can't wait for fantasia disney's follies fans uh, Uh, Be well, and uh, see you on the other side. Bye.